Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Celebrate 90 is in full swing. All this month, we are celebrating Southwest Radio Ministries' 90th anniversary. This month, we'll be sending to you 90th anniversary commemorative editions of the Prophetic Observer Newsletter and Timely Tools Catalog. If you're not currently receiving the Prophetic Observer or Timely Tools, make sure you call today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today, Celebrate 90 continues as we head back to 1998 and listen to Noah Hutchings share details of his amazing life. Our next Clarity to the Chaos Conference is almost here, Saturday and Sunday, April 15th and 16th in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Greg Patton, Micah Van Huss, Josh Davis, Larry Stamm, Lonnie Shipman, and Ken Copley will all be presenting how you and I can have clarity in the midst of the chaos. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com, for a complete speaker lineup and schedule swrc.com and click on events. And when you visit our SWRC website, be sure and check out all the brand new resources that are available. Brand new books and DVDs from Billy Crone, Tom Horn, Michael Hoggard, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, and Dr. Larry Spargimino. swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Now, let's step inside the radio vault all the way back to 1998 and join Kenneth Hill speaking to Noah Hutchings about, at the time, his brand new book entitled, As It Is in the Days of Noah. We're going to have a series of programs talking with Brother Hutchings about his new book, As It Is in the Days of Noah. Not as it was in the days of Noah, but as it is in the days of Noah. This is the book you've heard about, The Autobiography of Noah W. Hutchings. Dr. Hutchings was reticent to write the book, and it's taken him a while to do it. At the urging of lots of folks, we're going to talk about how he did come about to write the book. You've been waiting for the book to be released. It's now been released. It's a beautiful book, and it's available through Southwest Radio Church. We're going to talk to Noah about his life, not just about the book, but I do want to emphasize as we begin our broadcast today that we have this 350-page book, as it is in the days of Noah, the autobiography of Noah Hutchings, which also touches on this program itself and the history of this long-running Bible teaching program. If you want to have the book, it's yours. You can call us at 1-800-652-1144 and get a copy of the book, as it is in the days of Noah. That's 1-800-652-1144. Now, I'm a little nervous Sitting on this side of the table, Noah Hutchings, as we welcome you to be our guest, because I'm used to being on the other side with you asking me questions. I'm a little bit nervous, too. In fact, as you know and others know, I was very reticent to write this book, but I thought, well, I can better spend my time writing books that will help someone understand the scriptures better or have more inspiration and more help to them sitting down writing about myself. I thought, who in the world would want to sit down and read a book about Noah Hutching? 
you encouraged me to do it, and everyone finally said, you have to do it, and my children wanted me to write the book. So finally, I just gave up and sat down, and I think in about three or four weeks, I wrote the book. How I wrote it, I didn't want to take time away from the work at the office, so I would write on the book two hours at home in the evening, and then I'd get up in the morning before I come to work and write another hour. So after about a month working two hours at night and one hour in the morning before I come to work, I finally finished it, and then we had to send it to the attorney to make sure or try to make sure that I wouldn't get sued too many times over something I may have said. She made me rewrite some stuff, and that took a couple of days. But finally, it's out in print now, and everyone who has read it, including the lawyer, has said it's an extremely fascinating book. At least I hope it's not boring. (laughs) I know you have read the book. It's a page-turner. It really is. I read the book. You were so gracious to send me an advanced copy of the manuscript. It was a draft copy. The same one you sent to the attorney, in fact, and I had occasion to read through that. I thought it was wonderful. I thought there were parts in there so hilarious it was hard to keep from laughing. In fact, I'd be sitting in the family room at home reading through the manuscript, and one of my kids would be there doing something else, and I'd be there just laughing out loud. They said, what's so funny? I said, you'll have to read the book. I'm not going to give you the stories. So there's lots of humor in it, just as there's humor in our lives, and then there's also a lot of... A lot of times I got sort of sad for you reading through there because we have sad times in our lives as well. Our lives are not just one incident. Our lives are a patchwork. And you've presented that very well. It's very readable. It's very entertaining in the proper sense. It's a good book. I think your life has been somewhat entertaining in many respects. I think I've had an interesting life. In fact, looking back over the years... I don't know that I would have done anything different or at least not chosen another profession. I think God has been very good to me in allowing me to travel over the world, meet thousands and thousands of people, have friends all around the world. Very few are so blessed of God to be so privileged. As I explained in the introduction of the book, there are mountaintop experiences in life and there are swamps when you have to sometimes get down with the alligators and the snakes. But I've tried to deal mostly on the mountaintops rather than so much time in the swamps, but we have to do that at times because that's a part of life. I could have just written a book, praise God, hallelujah, we're all sailing through the glorious skies to that wonderful place in heaven. That would have been a totally an inspirational book. It wouldn't have been a truthful, factual account. Because life is full of problems, it's full of sorrows, and we read in Scripture that we suffer these things, and that's the way we grow, and that's the way we begin to depend more and more on the Lord. So Paul said he gloried in tribulations because they helped him become more and more like the Lord Jesus. I've covered not only the mountaintops, but also a little bit down in the swamps and the alligators. Well, you didn't stay too long down in those swamps. We're interviewing Noah Hutchings. Now, that's the voice that's distinctive that you're hearing on Southwest Radio Church's broadcast today. Dr. Noah W. Hutchings, the tables are turned. I'm Kenneth Hill. I'm vice president of Southwest Radio Church. I volunteer here on occasion, and it's my glad duty to be here to talk to Noah Hutchings about this new book, As It Is in the Days of Noah. 
This book's 350 pages. It's available from Southwest Radio Church, and the number's 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Noah, in your foreword on page 8, you said this. Should anyone be offended by any particular subjects or references in this book, personal or otherwise, no apology is offered. Any 75-year-old should be entitled to offend a few people. (laughs) When I read that, I immediately knew it was from you. (laughs) Well, I didn't mean that to be so offensive, but that's just me. Oh, I don't take it as being offensive. I don't think anybody else would. But you make a good point. You have an opportunity here to talk about your life, and if you offend somebody, well, get over it. Yes, I don't intentionally do that, but we have to be truthful and at least present our life experiences from our own understanding of what we've been through. So I didn't intentionally offend anyone in the book, of course, but if anybody should be offended from something I've said in the book, then that's just the way it is. I said I'm not going to try to apologize on every page of the book. Well, you couldn't afford to do that. It's... Something I told an attorney a long time ago, I said, when I met him for the first time, I said, I'll apologize now for any attorney jokes I say in the future, because I'm not going to apologize every time I tell one. What we find here in your book is a mosaic of 75 years condensed into 350 pages, which I know you couldn't put everything in it. It it would take quite a bit more than that. But you've pointed out some of the high points or those things that are memorable that, that you recall that you thought might be instructive to the reader. These 75 years have been momentous years for our country and for our world. And one of the things I like about your book, Noah, is that every year you give us some of the headlines that were going on in the world around you, not just a myopic look of Noah Hutchings and his family or whatever, but also a look at the broader things. Yes, I think we have been privileged to live in the most exciting time in the history of mankind. As I've noted before, you look what has happened in my lifetime. When I was born on December 11, 1922, there were practically no radios. There were certainly no television, no air travel, or it was extremely limited, maybe to one or two in a little prop airplane. No space travel. No automobiles. In fact, in the community where I was born, I think there were only a couple of automobiles at that time. I would ride to town in a wagon on a bale of cotton with my father with a couple of mules or horses. That was the early days of Oklahoma. Oklahoma had only been a state about 15 years when I was born. We have to remember that this was Indian Territory. And there were still a lot of Indians where I was born in Messer, Oklahoma. Messer, Oklahoma is a town down in Choctaw County in southeast Oklahoma. It was on the banks of the Kaimishi River. It's a beautiful little river that comes out of the Kaimishi Mountain and flows down to southeast Oklahoma into the Red River. The Kaimishis were a tribe of Indians. There were plain Indians living in Oklahoma before the land run in 1889. Besides the Kaimishi Plains Indians, there was the Poncas, the Muscogees. You know, we have a city called Ponca City. We have a city here in Oklahoma 
Muskogee, both of these are nice little cities, about 50,000. Then there were the Apaches, the Comanches, the Kiowas, and the Blackfeet, and several other tribes of Plain Indians living here in the Oklahoma Territory. And then about 1830 to 40, the government decided to move the Indians out of Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida into Oklahoma. They had these plains in, in here. These tribes were the Cherokee, Creek, Seminole, Chickasha, and Choctaws. And we know we have a town here in Oklahoma called Chickasha. It's about 50 miles down here. Another town, about 30 or 40,000. And these five civilized tribes, they were so-called, were moved into Oklahoma, and they said, this is your nation. This is going to be your country, and you can have your own government. So they settled the tribes here in Oklahoma, and where I was born, down near Hugo, Oklahoma, in the Messer community, that was the Choctaw Nation, or Choctaw Territory. And throughout Oklahoma now, you still find a lot of Indians here in Oklahoma, and most of them have just assimilated right into the regular mainstream of social and business like here in Oklahoma. But, of course, there are still some Indians here in Oklahoma who still prefer to live on a reservation-type communal living. So you come to Oklahoma, you go down to Anadarko, and you still find this. But at Messer... There were still a lot of Indians around, and I know we'd go to the Messer Community Schoolhouse, and every once in a while the Indians would come there and put on a powwow and dance around, and we'd go and watch them. But I was always careful not to get too close because we got to swing those tomahawks around. I didn't know when they were going to really get serious, so I was always ready to run. So this was the type of social life here in Oklahoma. There was a mixture of whites and Indians, mostly where I was born. The first remembrance of living in a house, the house we lived in, when I first began to remember my early childhood, we lived in a house owned by an Indian woman. We called her Old Sophie. She had about a half of a square mile allotment of land, and she had two houses on it. And my father rented one house from her I remember it had a breezeway. It was about a six-room house and had a nice barn. And old Sophie, uh, as we called her, she wasn't that old. I don't imagine she was over 40 years old at the time, but we just called her old Sophie. I remember her. She would wear a long dress down to her ankles, probably bright color, red or red check. And her long braided hair she wore down in front with red ribbons on the end of it. She was quite a regal-bearing woman. I would imagine that she was probably Cherokee. Her name was Sophie, which actually is a Christian name. You know, Justinian's mother, I think, was Sophie. Sophia Haggai in Istanbul. We've been there a number of times. Was the main church of the Byzantine Empire, built in about 500 A.D., but we lived on old Sophie's place. I don't think she charged any rent. She just wanted somebody to take care of the, her property. And I could hear my parents every once in a while refer to Sophie's new man. So she was quite a lady. But that was typical of the Messer community in Oklahoma in those early years. We're talking with Dr. Noah Hutchings. And Dr. Hutchings has written his autobiography, 
as it is in the days of Noah. It's a beautiful cover and lots of good pictures in this book as well. And if you're interested in having the book from the Southwest Radio Church, here's our number, 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144. Now, this was back in the 1920s, the early 1920s. You were born in 1922, at the end of the year practically, there December. You were in the Messer community. How many people were living in that community? Were we talking about a very densely populated area, a very rural area? It was a rural area. When Oklahoma was settled, they laid plots of land that was available that was not strictly owned by the Indians to anyone who would come in and settle it. There were 40-acre tracks, 60-acre tracks, 80-acre tracks. The biggest one was 120-acre tracks. Usually, it was 40 acres and a mule. But some would buy additional acreage, and also the Indians owned a lot of the land, but the white man swindled them out of their land or would trade them a bottle of whiskey for a 40-acre track or something like that. The whites came in and took over most of the land, although there were still Indians living on the land in certain areas within the white community at that time. But Messer community, maybe there would be on a mile square, there would be two houses on one mile and maybe two houses on the other side of the road, maybe three houses in the next mile. And maybe we would have a store in the middle and there would be a schoolhouse. And there would be dirt roads, of course. Maybe some of them would be gravel. It was not a very large community population-wise. Probably not more than 300 people in about a five-square-mile area. Well, I was talking with one of your, I guess it would be a grandnephew, and he was all excited because his grandmother's picture was in your book, and he bought the book so that he could get Geneva's picture. Now, Geneva is one of your sisters? That is correct. Geneva was my sister, just older than me. In the family, there were six of us kids. My dad was a farmer. He had a couple of teams and the usual plow tools, turning plow, cultivator, whatever. At that time, he would grow cotton, mainly, and corn, and a few cash crops. He was certainly not rich. And at that time, I can remember, he had also an addiction to moonshine. You better explain what moonshine is. There's probably somebody listening who doesn't understand that term. Well, I call it moonshine because usually it's illegal whiskey made out of corn. And you make it at night. Make it at night, so they call it moonshine. A lot of people at that time did make moonshine. They, they called it uh, steel. They made it on steels, but that's an abbreviation of distillery. So that was the local term for uh, an Ill- illegal uh, distillery that was out in the bushes. I can remember my dad maybe would go to town and take a bale of cotton. We would listen for him about dark coming in. That is when I didn't go with him, or some of the kids didn't go with him, and we could hear him coming over the Turner Hill. He would be yelling at the horses and slapping the reins, and we would know that he had gone to town and got among bad company. And they would get him into the pool hall or the domino parlor and get him drunk and Sometimes they would take all his money away from him. And when he come home, my mother was always out waiting for him. There was always a big argument going. 
because she was trying to find out if he had paid the mortgage at the bank or the note of the bank or bought any groceries or had any money left. At that time, he did have a problem with alcohol. Of course, later on, when I grew up in my teens, he joined the church, quit drinking. So did my mother join the church just before he did. But after he joined the church, he never took a drink as far as I know the rest of his life. Your dad's name was Thomas Clyde Hutchings. Clyde apparently was a, a name that was popular back in that era in this country. It's an English name. Thomas, of course, is one that's a biblical name as well. Did your family have any Bible-based roots? Did you have a, a religious heritage? Yes, my grandmother was a wonderful Christian. My folks, both the Eskews, my mother's maiden name, Eskews came from Alabama and the Hutchings came from Georgia. I have a book, The History of the Hutchings, came from England. Back in those times in England, they had debtor's prison. And anyone who could not pay their debts were put in debtor's prison until someone redeemed them or paid their debts. Along about the time of the Revolutionary War or maybe before that, England emptied all their debtors' prisons and put them out on the shore of Georgia or sent some to Australia even. Evidently, my folks came out of the debtors' prison in England. Very likely, my mother's folks also. My mother's folks were Scottish. Hutchings was English. We're talking with Noah Hutchings, and we've got to wrap up today's conversation, but this is part of a series here on the Southwest Radio Church talking with Noah about his life. This is in conjunction with the publishing of his autobiography, As It Is in the Days of Noah, by Dr. Noah W. Hutchings. We'll have more on the amazing life of Noah Hutchings from Noah himself tomorrow on the program. Today, we have two resources I know you'll love. First, Noah's autobiography entitled, As It Is in the Days of Noah, and the complete radio programs from 1998, five programs in all on three CDs. Both the book and CD set are available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, swrc.com. And as a special bonus, when you order both, as it is in the Days of Noah book and the three-CD set, you'll receive Noah Hutchings' book, Studies in Timothy. Call today, 1-800-652-1144. And ask how you can receive free shipping on your order when you call 1-800-652-1144. Three outstanding resources by Noah Hutchings. As it is in the days of Noah Autobiography, the complete five-program series on the book on three CDs, and as a bonus, Noah Hutchings' book, Studies in Timothy. Call today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Before we leave you today, I wanted you to hear from two of our dear ministry friends. First up is Dr. Carl Baugh. 
with a Creation Minute. Let's talk for a minute. At the Creation Evidence Museum, we're in possession of a fossilized finger, a human finger. This finger was found in the Cretaceous layers that are assigned an evolutionary age of 110 million years. Now that's a major problem because according to evolutionary theory, man with the appendages we know and can examine has not been around but a few tens or maybe just a few hundred thousand years at the most by evolutionary thinking. But this finger has the distal, medial, and proximal joints. It has the cartilaginous ligaments. It is the fourth finger on the left hand of a girl, a human finger. But that's no surprise to those who believe the Bible. For man and dinosaur live contemporaneously and the history of the earth shows it to be true. Thank you, Dr. Ball. Now, let's hear from Larry Stamp with today's Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here with a Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. Did you know the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, is found all over the Old Testament? For example, in Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters was the Holy Spirit. David in Psalm 51-11 prayed, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then Exodus 31.3, God empowered an artisan named Bezalel for work on the tabernacle, stating, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. A study of the word spirit in the Old Testament is a wonderful exercise. As followers of Jesus Christ, let us thank God that the Holy Spirit indwells all who trust in him. For Ephesians 1.13 declares we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. For more connections, visit our website at LarryStam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page. Friends, would you please take a few moments today and check out the resources over at our website, swrc.com. Books and DVDs available for you, your family, church, or as a gift. Remember that when you purchase one of our resources, you are supporting the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall. So please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. If you're new to the program, be sure to request our free new listener pack. The new listener pack officially welcomes you to the family, gives you some history on the ministry, and it includes a free gift just for you. Request your new listener pack when you call one 800 652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, we continue our look back at the days of Noah Hutchings. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Celebrating 90 years of God's faithfulness, Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported 
by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com.